Welcome to the Prophecy Club. In my 25 years of doing a radio program and teaching Bible prophecy, what I'm about to do is probably one of my most favorite things to do. That is, talk about Bible prophecy. This particular chart you're looking at is probably my pride and joy. I would say this is probably the neatest thing in my almost 66 years on this earth I've ever done. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. And in the process, I received 30 revelations and two visions and one audible voice now written in this book. Essentially, God showed me one single word, the word first fruits. He showed me a vision that it links back from the Torah back to Revelation and it links the feasts to the prophecies in Revelation. On first fruits, Jesus the Lamb returns to Mount Zion with 144,000 one-year-old Jews. On Pentecost, the wheat that's us, who are ready, go to the marriage supper with the barley. The Father promotes Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb on Pentecost, from Prince to King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus receives many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own sacrificed blood, and a white horse. The barley and wheat receive a wedding garment and a white horse to return on trumpets about four months later. This is the day of the Lord. Jesus is the judge. He uses the morning star, a lightning sword, to burn the tares. This is the judgment seat of Christ. All in Jesus report here and receive their just rewards. On atonement, ten days later, Jesus is once again the judge at the great white throne for those not in Jesus. Now, I understand you've probably seen several of those things differently, but I'm going to show you why I know that I'm correct on this. The dead are judged based upon the works written in the books, and whosoever is not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Finally, on tabernacles, the new Jerusalem comes down from God out of heaven. So let's get to me explaining it. Passover. Jesus fulfilled Passover. He was our Passover lamb. Then three days of unleavened bread, Jesus was in the grave. And then on first fruits, he came out of the grave, and that's when prophetic time stopped. Then there's an, a 2,000-year church age inserted. Time starts again on a future first fruits. We don't know what year it is, but I can tell you that it is the first fruits. Time starts again on first fruits. Now, if you'll look at that little blue line, you'll see the word returns. Means that the next time Jesus returns, he returns on this day on first fruits. And I put together... Uh, some scriptures to go along with this. So I'll show you the scriptures and explain how they work. First Corinthians fifteen twenty says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of them that slept. Jesus was the first fruits of them that slept. He's not the first fruits of the harvest. The first fruits, the 144,000, are the first fruits of the harvest. Jesus was the first fruits of them that slept. Acts one eleven. you recall, the angel standing next to the uh, disciples as Jesus is going up. And he says, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up? This same, key word, same Jesus, which was taken up from you to heaven, shall, show come, shall so come in like manner. Okay, wait a minute. How did he go? He went in a lamb body up on a cloud, which means the next time he comes down, he comes back on a cloud in a lamb body. What do you mean lamb body? Well, as you recall, he allowed Thomas to touch the nail scars and feel the, the sword uh, wound on his side. He just had fish with his disciples. So that's a lamb body. 
meaning that the next time he returns, he's not returning as king of kings and lord of lords to the Mount of Olives to destroy the terrors. That's what that's saying. Now, again, I, I'm nothing smart here. I mean, I, I, I didn't understand. Two years ago, I started memorizing Revelation. I saw none of this. All of this is by Revelation, brothers and sisters. And it's not that I'm something special. It's because you're something special. Because Jesus wants you to know how the last seven months work out. That's why he sent this. That's why this is so important for you to understand and get in the hands of your friends, neighbors, and relatives. Okay, so let's go on to the next one. Leviticus 23.10. Now, this is explaining the feast, and then I'm going to explain the prophecy that ties to that feast. Okay, so here's what happens. Leviticus 23.10, the high priest is commanded. He says, when you come into the land, you shall bring a sheaf. Wait a minute, wait a minute, what's a sheaf? A sheaf, I had to look it up. A sheaf is just a handful. That's all this. It's just a handful. It's a handful, in this case, of barley. How do we know it's barley? Because this is the first feast or the first harvest of the year. And the first to get ripe is barley. Wheat is many months later. Okay, so this is barley representing, it's a picture representing the Jews. Okay, it says, and you have a sheaf of first fruits of your harvest. That's a barley. And the, and the priest shall wave it. When he, when he has a sheaf barley, he, with a lamb without, he also has a lamb without blemish of the first year. Now, we're going to talk about that blemish here in just a second. So he takes the sheaf and he is able to mix in oil, but no living, which makes a cookie, a fairly good sized cookie, which he bakes and then they eat that and that is part of the sacrifice. The rest of the sacrifice, he also sacrifices a he lamb, that's important, without blemish of the first year. Now, those that's the, the feast part. Now let's tie in the prophecies. Then you look over at Revelation 14.1. I looked and lo, a lamb. Meaning that this is a description of Jesus returning as a lamb. I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion. Wait a minute. That's not the Mount of Olives. Because Mount Sion is about a 30-minute walk from Mount of Olives. So this is not the same. He's returning to Mount Sion with 144,000 having his father's name in their foreheads. How old are the 144,000? You drop back down to the Leviticus 23.10, they are one year old. Now, that's a whole chapter I explain in the book. Uh, i got to get the book to understand that. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. The, now, that's nothing. How do you get somebody that has lived a full life and is without sin? And that's what it's about to say, these 144,000 are, because they died in their first year. You remember that David and Bathsheba had a little affair, and there was a child that came out of that affair, and that boy child died at seven years old. It is my guess that he's probably going to be one of those 144,000. These are they that were not defiled with women for their virgins. These are they that follow the Lamb, that's important, follow the Lamb, follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. First fruits. What does that mean? That means these are the first ones to get their glorified bodies. Now, other people have come out of the grave before then. Uh, you know, Demetri Dudeman, but there's, there's other people. They're in heaven. But they don't get the, the glorified body, not like everyone will get. These are the first fruits unto God and the Lamb. And in their mouth is found no guile. Why is it they have no guile? Because they're only one year old. They never learned to talk. Their mouth is found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. That's a key. So in order to go to heaven, 
a person must be without fault if you want to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb specifically. So then we talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Matthew twenty five twenty six says, In the midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go yet to meet him. These 144,000 are the cry. They, the cry that the behold, the bridegroom cometh. In other words, when you see Jesus, and if you're living in Israel uh, when he comes back, I assume you'd be able to see him. But when you see Jesus, the next time he is going to come down on a cloud, just like Acts one eleven says, he will come down in a lamb body. He'll probably be wearing the same clothes he ascended in. He will be in the same body. And I assume if you're living in Israel, you'll be able to go up and meet him because it says they follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. Now, how long do they walk? They walk for 50 days from first fruits all the way over to Pentecost. Now, Bible doesn't say what they're doing, but I suppose since Jesus rules the earth, now he's not king of kings yet. He doesn't fully rule it because Satan and his, his beast are still in control. But he's probably egging them on. He's probably creating problems. But this, my brothers and sisters, is the cry. A midnight cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go, go ye out to meet him. So when you see Jesus return on Mount Zion with 144,000, that means this is year. This is the year without question. There is no question Jesus is going to return this year absolutely positively. That's the reason it says go ye out to meet him. Now, that's another thing. Why does it say go ye out to meet him? If he just returns in the clouds, because he doesn't just return the clouds. He comes down, puts his foot down on Mount Zion. He walks around for some 50 days with the 144,000. So now we talk about 50 days later. So we assume, I say assume because there's no scripture that says that he, what he does or that he walks around. However, Mount Zion is a fairly small mountain. You get 144,000, and I assume that they are resurrected to their mature bodies. So 144,000 mature body-abled men up there on Mount Zion, that's uh, getting a little crowded. They're not going to stay up there too long. I mean, what are they going to eat? Or do they have to eat? Well, I don't know. Probably it's going to be more than just Mount Zion that they're going to walk. They're probably going to walk all over Jerusalem. Who knows? Maybe all over Israel. So then 50 days later, on Pentecost, this is, and we to understand this, we go to Leviticus 23.16. And under the moral... After the seventh Sabbath, you shall number 50 days. You shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. You shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenth deals. This is flour. This is not barley. This is fine flour. They should be fine flour and they should be bacon with leaven, for they are the first fruits unto the Lord. So what's going on? This is, again, we're going to go through the feast part first, then we'll tie the prophecies. So on this particular feast, the high priest takes two tenth deals of flour. What's a tenth deal of flour? How to look that up too. It's about six pints, which is a little over a two-liter bottle. So try to imagine two two-liter bottles filled with fine wheat flour. Only in this case, he gets to add not only oil, but also leaven. So if you got two two-liter bottles here, filled with flour, you mix in oil, you mix in leaven, what do you got? By the time you cook that rascal, you got two probably pretty good size looking loaves of bread about the size of two watermelons. Why does the God have it into two? Why is it that there's so much more flour to this sacrifice than there was to the barley sacrifice? The answer is it's the number of people saved. 
In the barley harvest, those are only 144,000 that get to go in the barley harvest. But in the wheat harvest, there's a lot of people. Because why? Because one-tenth deal of flour represents those that are Israelites, and the other one represents those that are not Israelites. So you might say one represents the Jews, one represents the Gentiles. But both of them are allowed entrance into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, let me explain that. Exodus 19.1, this is, you may be saying, well, how do you know that the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place on Pentecost? And the answer is right here, Exodus 1.19.1. In the third month, when the children of Israel going forth out of the land of Egypt, I'm skipping around, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called on him out of the mountain, saying, If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, talking to the children of Israel, you shall be in me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. Meaning, this is a marriage proposal. This is when God spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to the people and said, He basically said, I will be your God if you will be my people. And they said, we do. Or as in the, the bride would say, I do. You know, they were like the bridegroom, you know, will you take this man to be this law? Yeah, I do, okay? Well, that's where we get it. So we know that this takes place in the third month because of all of the seven feasts, there's only one feast in the third month. There's only one. There's only one feast that can be, and that is Pentecost. So that tells us that on Pentecost... And yes, that's when the Holy Spirit came, speaking in tongues, the upper room, and all of that sort of stuff. But on Pentecost is when those people that are dead in Christ arise, and those who are ready go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, this is the first resurrection, because it has the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. This is the first resurrection. The Bible says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, we, the bride, only get two things. We get a wedding garment and a white horse. Jesus, however, is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He changes from being Lamb of God to being, and from Prince of the Kings of the Earth to become King of kings and Lord of lords. He has given many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own blood. I'll explain that in the book and also white horse, and also a name written at which no man knoweth saving, saving he himself. Revelation 7, 9. And after this beheld and lo a great multitude, which no man can number out of all kindreds, tongue, and people, stood before the throne before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God. Why are they saying this? Because this is us, brothers and sisters. This is us who are ready that a wash of the blood of the Lamb. We get to go to the marriage supper. And when we first get up there, this is what we say. Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. These are they which came at a great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth upon the throne shall dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light him nor any heat. For the Lamb that dwelleth in the midst of the throne shall feed them and lead them into living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I look forward to that moment. I look forward to that moment. This is also Revelation 19.6. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. 
Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor in him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife, that's us, hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So now let's go on. <clears throat> About four months later, it's now trumpets. This is the great harvest. This is Armageddon. Jesus is now King of kings and Lord of lords. We are riding on those white horses in our white wedding garments returning with him. We do not fight. We are the bride. We do not fight at all. The only fighting is done by Jesus with the morning star and the two angels that had the sharp sickles. This is where Revelation 19.11 is fulfilled. I saw heaven opened. In other words, the heaven rolls back like a scroll. Literally, time splits open and eternity enters in. All of a sudden, Jesus is just there. The heaven rolls back like a scroll. Man, I just got the anointing. Heaven rolls back like a scroll. All of a sudden, it's Jesus. I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written which no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies, that's us, which were in heaven, followed him in white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that's the morning star, that with it he should smite the nations. And he should rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture, that's here, and on his thigh, here, a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. He's returning to burn the tares. The two angels with him are returning to crush the grapes. Somebody said, what's the difference between the grapes and the tares? Well, think about it. The tares, well, they live with the wheat. You can't tell them apart. They look like the wheat, sound like the wheat, sat in the church pew next to the wheat, but it's not until the harvest the wheat has fruit. But the tare, it stands up straight. And every one of those little seeds of the, the tare are very, very bitter. Get any of those seeds in the, your, your wheat, it ruins the flour. It ruins the bread. So you gotta, that's the reason Matthew 13, 30 says, gather you first the tares, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire. Then gather my wheat into the barn. Gotta get rid of all of the tares first. That's what he does. Which, by the way, does away with the pre-trib rapture, doesn't it? Then, Revelation 14, 19 comes into play. Jane, the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth. The grapes are those nations that don't live among the Christians. The tares and the wheat, they grow together until the harvest. You can't tell them apart until the harvest. Whereas the grapes, those people, they don't have any wheat around them. They are a non-Christian nation. They're, they're a non-Christian group. That's the reason they're the grapes. <clears throat> the vine of the earth and cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, that's Armageddon, even under the horses' bridles by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. Matthew thirteen thirty, Gather you first the tares, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire, but gather my wheat into the barn. Again, that does away with the pre-trib rapture. <clears throat> Revelation nineteen seventeen is fulfilled. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come. Gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God. This is straight out of Ezekiel 38 and 39 too. Gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast 
and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet, which wrought miracles before them, with which he had deceived them. See, I can read this so fast because I've, I've memorized it, okay? Received the mark of the beast, and them that had worshipped his image, these both were cast alive in a lake burning with fire and brimstone. And the remnant were slain with a sword, that's the morning star. And the sword, uh, the sword of him that sat on the horse with sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. It's also fulfilled in Zechariah 14, 12. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. And their eyes shall consume away in their holes. And their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. In other words, they're burned to ashes before they can hit the ground. That's what the morning star does to them. First Thessalonians 4.14 is fulfilled here. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That's us. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, meaning those people that have are still alive, they did not go, they weren't ready in the Pentecost, they weren't ready to go to the marriage supper, so they missed the marriage supper, but, see down here where it says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Even though they didn't go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, all of their works still follow them. Then out here on trumpets, which is one evening and one morning, one day, the day of the Lord, that is the judgment seat of Christ, when Jesus returns, the dead in Christ here have a second resurrection. The dead in Christ rise first, and then we were alive and remain, go up to meet the, the rest of the, the angel, or the rest of, of the armies in heaven, which includes us. And we're up in the, in the air, we're in eternity, and we, at that point, get to watch Jesus and the two angels destroy all of his enemies. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. And the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we were to alive and remain, should be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord of the year, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the way it happens. Now, before we go on, let's also look at the nations. Who are the nations? Well, the nations are those people that did not take the mark of the beast, so they don't get thrown into perdition, which is the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, where you have, they have to live with the beast and false prophet, and Lucifer all eternity, day and night, they're tormented, they have no rest day or night, the smoke of their... Um, a, a smoke of the torment ascended up day and night. They have no rest. Who worship the beast or his image or who shall receive the mark of his, or the name of the, or number of his name? That's the nation. They didn't receive Jesus, so they don't get a glorified body. But they didn't take the mark either. They are like Leviticus twenty three twenty two says: When you reap the harvest of the land, thou shalt not make a clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. So Jesus does not make a clean riddance of the entire earth. These are the people that are not harvested. They don't have Jesus, but they didn't take the mark, so they are not harvested. They are told you are allowed to live for up to 1,000 years during the millennium. But, here's the rule. If you break one law, you're destroyed, both body and soul. And if they break one law, a morning star judge shows up, hits them with a morning star, they fall on the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul instantly, right there, Right then, then at the end of the thousand years, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And he goeth out to deceive the nations who are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, Gog and Magog, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went upon the breadth of the earth, and the compass of the camp of the saints about in the beloved city, and fire from God out of heaven came down and devoured them. Whoosh! That's the morning star, destroying both body and soul. Revelation 21.8 describes them. 
But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers. I had to look up whoremongers. You know what a whoremonger is? It is a man on man. Not woman on woman. It's man on man. Sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 22.14 says, Blessed are they which do his commandments. That's us. That they may have right to the tree of life they may enter in through the gates into the city. That's us. That's good. For without means that while we're walking into the city, these guys don't get in. For without are dogs, but it's not talking about four-legged dogs. It's talking about doggy people. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers, idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Ten days later, it is atonement. The fulfilled scripture is Revelation 20:11, And I saw the great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the books according to their works. The sea gave it the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is those people that have not received Jesus. Maybe they never even heard of Jesus. But they're not judged based upon the blood. They're judged based upon their works. Now, those people that did have the blood of bulls and goats and things like that, of course, had part, maybe many, maybe even some of them, all of their sins removed through the blood of bulls and goats and things like that. But it's based upon their works. This is the dead. Anyone that reports to the atonement is already dead. Five days later is tabernacles. This is fulfilled in the scripture 21.1, Revelation. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell to them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are past away. This is the conclusion. So, so Jesus arose in first, then 2,000 years for a church age, and there's several scriptures that verify that, was inserted. The next time he returns will be at the very last first fruits. He will come down on a cloud in a lamb body with 144,000 one-year-old Israeli boys. He will walk around on Mount Zion for 50 days. Then we, those people that are ready and washed in the blood of the lamb, Go as the wheat harvest along with the barley harvest of the marriage supper of the Lamb. We get a wedding garment, a white horse, Jesus crowned King of kings, Lord of lords, given many crowns of Esther dipped in blood and a white horse. Four months later, we return with him on the grape harvest, which is trumpets for Armageddon. Jesus is lion, and we are the barley and the wheat return of white horses. Jesus uses the morning star to burn the tares. This is the judgment seat of Christ. This is the day of the Lord. This is judgment by fire. The nations are told you can live up to a thousand years, but you break a law in your history. Ten days later is atonement. This is judgment of the dead. This is the great white throne. The dead not in Christ. Jesus is the judge. Five days later, the golden city comes down. The golden city is probably square. Some people think it is pyramid, 
with good reason, some of them. It's about 250 miles square. It's solid gold, but it is clear as glass or transparent as glass. I recommend you get the book because though I did my very best in the time allotted to explain the book, there's no way you're going to understand it just by listening to what I said there. But the book will explain it in detail. One book for $20, don't do that. Instead, get at least five for 30 or 10 for 55 But a church price, a whole church, case of 60 for $250. That way you can hand around. Everybody in the church can have a copy. One for 25 30 10 for 55 Case of 60 for $250 available at prophecyclub.com. You can also watch our videos at watchprophecyclub.com. Here's the best deal we've ever offered at the Prophecy Club. Five, how pre-trib one. Five, tribulation secrets in Daniel. Five, God's warning to America. Five, secret door to understand Bible prophecy. And ten, miss the mark. Forty books, gift of $100, prophecyclub.com. Prophecyclub.com. Terry Sock of Cornerstone Asset Metals is a prophecy student, reads his King James Bible, and wants to help Prophecy Club win souls even if it means he loses money. I think that's the right attitude. When someone values winning souls more than making money, and he's doing so by sponsoring Prophecy Club on radio. So, if you'd like to help win souls, the next time you need gold, silver, palladium, rhodium bars, or coins, contact CornerstoneAssetMetals.com. They can help you roll over your IRA, 401k, so just tell CornerstoneAssetMetals.com Prophecy Club sent you.